And hey, a good morning and welcome to you all. That welcome extends not only to all of us here that are South Campus, but for all of you that are joining in with us via Facebook Live. I'm so thankful that we have the technology that has allowed us all to come together, regardless of where we are at, to worship corporately the name above all names. Well, my name is Casey Rivers. And I am one of the leaders here at Bethel Bible Church. And I have to say that I was thrilled to get the invitation from Ross just a little over a week ago to preach here this morning. But I have to be honest with you and admit, admit that I was a little scared. I was a little bit nervous. And I was a little bit scared and nervous because I just didn't know. Um, okay, I'm just going to say it. I just didn't know if I was going to be able to grow my beard in time. You see, I see, I realize there's a certain code here, an unwritten list of standards for preachers that stand behind the pulpit at Bethel Bible Church. I'm pretty sure Whiskers is on that list somewhere. But folks, isn't it great that we can laugh together as Christians? That we can smile even in the midst of something that we know as pandemic. Reason why I say this is an important thing that we laugh and that we're able to smile even though there's days we may not feel like it. It's good to do this because the world is watching. The world is watching how we respond to pandemic. The world is watching how we respond to one another. The world is watching how we respond to them. And what is the message we want to send them? Well, I know the message I would love to send them and a message and a reminder for all of us this morning is, is this, that this is the day that the Lord has made and we will what? Rejoice, let's say that again, rejoice and be glad in it. Rejoice and be glad, why? Rejoice and be glad because we have every reason to rejoice and be glad because God did the unthinkable out of the greatest love ever that he would send his only son to die a cruel and painful death for you and I and for our sins. We can rejoice and be glad because Jesus willingly lived the life that none of us in our very best effort could have ever lived and then he died the death that each and every one of us deserve. We can rejoice and be glad because his word promises us this, that when we confess that name, the name of Jesus Christ, and if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, it says, you shall be saved. No ands, ifs, or buts about it, my friends. This isn't old news. This is the good news. This is the gospel, and the gospel is Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes unto him to the Father except through him. He who knew no sin became sin for us. Jesus Christ made a way which leaves me to say it again, hallelujah, that this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. You know, the gospel isn't just a one-time history lesson learned and done. The gospel isn't just one for the unbeliever to hear, to fall on their ears. It's to fall on the believer's ears for us to be reminded of every day the goodness of God and what has happened for us where there was no way that he made a way in his goodness, in his mercy. And that mercy is, is given to us every day. I don't know about you, but the news of the gospel fuels me this morning as well. The news of the gospel makes me excited to share what it is that God has laid on my heart to share with you all this morning. 
And what God has laid on my heart this morning comes in the form of a question. And that question consists of three words. And those three words are this, who are we? Seems like a simple enough question, doesn't it? And yet there's people all in this world who are walking around with an identity that was not built for them. People are walking around confused of who they actually are. Then there's some in this world, and maybe it's some of you in here, they have been hit by life upside the head, knocked flat of their back, and left with only just enough strength to push themselves up to look in a mirror and to stare at the image staring back at them and to say, I don't even know who that is. Who am I? Maybe some of us in here just need to be reminded of the truth that we already know of who we are. But wherever you fall in whatever scenario, my goal and my prayer for all of us this morning is to land on solid ground so that we are fully confident as we leave here in this campus and we go into our homes and our lives that we are fully confident of who we are in one way that I want to help us get there is I want to share a personal story with you. Before we dig into God's Word, I want to share a personal story with you. You know, when I, I travel, I will make just about any excuse there is to pull off the interstate and into one of those Bucky's gas stations. If you're a true Texan, you know exactly what I'm talking about because if it's Texan, we always do it bigger and we do it better. And Bucky's is a cut above the rest. It is bigger, it is better, it is that one-stop shop for all things. I mean, truly, I have walked into a Bucky's hungry and I've come out filled and full. I've walked into a Bucky's with my tennis shoes on and realized while I was there that I really wanted flip-flops and I actually walked out with the flip-flops on. I have bought things to go on my mantle because not only does Bucky's have anything from bubble gum to clothes that you wear, they have home goods, but there's one thing that I will go into a Bucky's for above all the rest, and that is for their squeaky clean restrooms. Amen? If you have never been to a Bucky's, then you're probably missing out on one of the cleanest restroom experiences of your life. So I literally just professed my love for Bucky's in front of all of you only to turn it right here and say that I have been in a restroom though that was cleaner than Bucky's. And y'all are probably wondering where I'm going with this. That's okay, hang in there. I've been in a restroom that's cleaner than Bucky's and it wasn't a five-star resort. It wasn't some fancy uh, restaurant. Actually, this is a place that all of you have been to. You're very familiar with it. Matter of fact, for some of you, it's probably your jam. You probably frequent this place several times during the week. So you're ready for this, aren't you? The place that I speak of is no other than, drum roll please, Walmart, a.k.a. Wally World. Judging by the expression on some of your faces, you are saying, no, sir. No, sir, by no means is there any Walmart in this world that holds a candle to a Bucky's. Well, before you start throwing stones, let me explain myself. My experience with this particular Walmart, I walk into the restroom and, and vividly in my brain, I remember, I remember thinking this. I remember thinking, wow, 
this restroom is clean. And so I proceed on and, and to the stall and life is good. I mean, everything is okay until somebody comes and sits in the stall next to me. Some of your eyes are getting this big. And Ross is somewhere saying, Casey, you're never preaching again. But everything was, was okay until this person came and sat in the stall next to me. And, and I started looking down and I, I was studying the feet of this person in the stall next to me. And y'all, that is when it hit me. Oh my goodness. That is when it hit me. That men's feet are not that pretty and just like a scene in a movie where your life flashes before your eyes, black tunnel vision, beads of sweat are starting to pop out of my head. I'm praying, Lord, please no. Lord, please don't let another woman come in this restroom. Lord, please let her leave so I can get out of here unseen and and unheard. And y'all... That was the plan. She left. Nobody else had come in. I darted out of the stall, almost made it to the door unnoticed until lo and behold, of all people that would walk in the door was a female Walmart employee pulling a mop bucket and shutting the door behind her. And she turns, her eyes this big, my eyes this big. And she says, sir, you are in the ladies restroom. To which I replied, absolutely nothing. And I darted out of there as quick as I could. could. And y'all, by the grace of God and the mercies that are new each and every day, I will never go back there again because I was out of state. So I'll never have to to visit that Walmart or see the horror in that woman's eyes again. So why do I tell you this silly story? For For one, it's a true story. It happened. I still have nightmares about it. But... There's a couple little things. There's a couple little points that we can learn from this. And the, the first can truly probably be, be, go without being said. Number one, ladies, your restrooms are cleaner than ours. Okay? That can go without being said. But this next little lesson from that side story is one that I will be coming back to. It's one that I'll be coming back to uh, because we're on a journey to find out who we are. And that point is this. It is time to move when where you're at doesn't match who you are. I'm going to say that one again. It is time to move when where you're at doesn't match who you are. And that begs the question again of who are we? Okay, so... I think the best place for us to discover who we are, matter of fact, I know that the best place for us to discover who we are is to go to this right here, to go to God's word, to turn to the beginning of the book and the beginning of creation. I'm going to be reading this morning from Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. You can follow along in your Bibles or from your devices. It'll be up behind me as well. But this is what Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 reads. And I know we're all familiar with this this text right here. It says this, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. 
and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created him. Friends, isn't it awesome that when we truly want to discover who we are, that we don't have to turn too many pages in the Bible right here before God starts identifying us. This is an awesome thing, and this is where we start. This brings up our first point this morning of who we are, dot, dot, dot. We are created in the image of God. I know that you have heard that in your lifetime. There's many of you in here that have read your Bible from the beginning to the end. But at least all of us have at least tried. We've opened it up and started from the beginning. So we have read this, that we are created in the image of God, of God Almighty. Wow. Did you hear that? I mean, truly, the same God who spoke everything into existence... From the tiniest microorganisms to the largest stars and planets that are light years apart. He created all those things and everything in between. From the smallest to the biggest. And that same God decided to create you. He decided to create me in his beautiful image. For us to bear that image. Wow. That is awesome. But really and truly what does that mean? And you know, if I tried to reason this before I studied it, if I tried to reason this in my own human brain, when I hear being made in the image of, my mind automatically goes to a physical genetic resemblance of, of family. Uh, you know, there's one thing that I have, and it's called those river's eyes, okay? That's just what people call them. People would tell me, hey, you have beautiful eyes, and now that I have 6,000 kids of my own, they all have inherited this genetic thing called the, the river's eyes, okay? And those eyes, they're, they're big. And you can tell when those eyes are happy. You can tell when those eyes are sad. You can tell when they're mad because they bug out. And you can tell when they're sleepy. Our seven-year-old daughter from, from a newborn baby, even all the way up till now. Her eyes are so big that they will not completely shut when she sleeps. When we first discovered that, it really freaked us out. But we have this genetic thing. So while we were created to bear this physical genetic resemblance of our family, bearing the image of God goes so much deeper. So... Let me explain that this morning. And so this, this little bullet point right here will fall under our first point of we are created in the image of God. And it is this, to help explain how we are created in the image of God and what that looks like is humanity expresses God's image in relationship. We see that by looking at verse 26 again when it says, let us, everybody say us, let us make our, everybody say our. Let us make our image after our likeness. 
So who is God speaking to when he is using these plural words uh, in the text of us and our? Well, some have suggested, and when I say some, I'm not including myself. I'm not including this body believers here at Bethel Bible Church because I believe we all fall on a more solid ground in our understanding of this. But when God is using these words of us and our in the text, some have suggested that maybe he is talking to the members of his court. Or in other words, the sons of God as they're referred to in the Old Testament, or a more familiar term for all of us what might be angels, as they are referred to in the New Testament. But my friends, if we believe this to be the truth, and we believe this to be the authority in our lives, then we have to know that nowhere in this book does it mention that we are created in the image of angels, nor did they have any part of our creation of creating human beings. Instead, as this body of believers, and I believe and, and we believe that this use of us and our by God in the text is our first hint of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, God three in one. So in order for me to explain this morning, how we are created in the image of God and how that, that image and how humanity expresses God's image in relationship, I want to relate that to the Trinity this morning. I'm going to ask you some questions, and you're to respond with a simple yes or no this morning. Don't get nervous. I, I'm feeling good about this. I think all of you are going to pass with flying colors. So if you're ready, here we go. A yes or a no. Number one, is God love? Yes, absolutely. God is love. Is God a relational God or is he a God of relationship? Yes, absolutely. And he desires it. We were created for it. First and foremost, to have relationship with him, to worship him, for us to have relationship with one another and community with one another. Number three, here we go. Is he still the same God that he has always been? Absolutely. He is the same God yesterday, today, and forever. Never changing is our God. So here's the last question. We're on a roll. Don't let this one throw you for a loop. It has a solid, definite answer as well. But when it comes to matters of the Trinity, it does get confusing. So I'm going to put this one out there and you answer it as well. Is there just one God? Yes. Hallelujah. There is just one God. There's just one God, and Scripture confirms this all throughout the Bible. So how does answering yes to all these questions help us to understand further that humanity expresses God's image in relationship? Here's why. Here's why I wanted us to get in sync with one another on that. It's because whatever God is right now, He has been for all eternity. 
Whatever God is right now, he was way before creation. And guess what? He wasn't alone. He wasn't alone. The beauty of the Trinity is understanding that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit have lived in love and in perfect harmony and unity with one another for all eternity. And this image of God, it's beautiful, isn't it? This image of God is exactly what we need to see as we are on this journey to find out who we are this morning. We want to know who we are. We are created in the image of God. And we express that image in relationship. This is what bearing the image of God should look like. So I just want to look a little further into that unity, that triune of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, as it is mentioned throughout Scripture. And I'm going to jump to Luke chapter 3, verse 22, on this one. When John baptized Jesus in the river Jordan, and Luke 3:22 says, "And the Holy Spirit descended on him, Holy Spirit being God the Spirit, descended on him, being God the Son, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven. That voice being God the Father, you are my beloved Son, with you I am well pleased. Or as we see in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and He was in the beginning with God. All things, all things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. So yes, while our understanding is this, that while there are there are three in one, there is one being, we cannot deny that each of the persons of the Trinity are distinct because we would be denying God, we would be denying God his personal and relational characteristics. In other words, God would not be the loving God of all eternity if he just had to wait until he created in order to love. That love has always been there for all eternity. And that relationship has been there for all eternity. This image of God... It was represented so beautifully in the Garden of Eden. It was at this stage that humanity was crowned with glory and set apart with honor and glory as ruler of the earth. And we see that again in the latter part of Genesis chapter 1 verse 26. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on earth. In other words, everything was as God intended until the events unfolded in Genesis chapter 3. And that is what we all know as the fall of man. When sin entered the world and condemned us all. So sin's disruption in the image of God for humanity, guess what? It's still causing havoc today. Sin's disruption in the image of God for humanity is still causing trouble because guess what? There is still 
an enemy serpent who will whisper in the ear of anyone who is willing to listen and saying that you can be who you want to be as long as you identify with it. There is confusion out there of who a person is supposed to be and that confusion is is caused and, and placed on people by the influence of others. But not just the influence of others. We are called to try to put on an identity that is not of God even by what we say and think of ourselves. And that's where it gets scary, folks. Because God has a plan and it's on track And he has called us to be something. And that's what we're finding out, who we are. So this brings us now to point number two of who are we. Our first was we are created in the image of God. And we realize that humanity expresses that image through relationship. But number two, I want to look at we are dead to our sin. Now these are terms you've heard right? We're dead to our sin. We've, we've read that. But what does that mean? Dead to sin. Well, in our own power, my friends, we are doomed to struggle unsuccessfully against the desires of this sinful flesh and all of our tendencies. So before we can understand and really dig into Being dead to our sin, we need to be reminded this morning that every one of us are born in our sin. Every one of us, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Everybody say all. Did that leave anybody out? That includes each and every one of us. If you're here in the building, if you're listening somewhere else, if you're at your home, God's word says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Or Paul says it in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins. Now, of course, Paul right here is not saying that we are are physically dead, but rather the life of a person who has not experienced new life in Christ, that person is characterized by a spiritual, a spiritual death. You know, just last night, um, I'd come in the house, my wife and I decided to take a walk after we laid the kids down and and it kind of started sprinkling on us a little bit and we walked around the neighborhood. It felt great, but it seemed like as soon as we got inside, the, the bottom opened and we started hearing thunder and lightning. And, you know, we've all experienced storms in this life. And I'm talking about real storms, though. I'm not, I'm not talking metaphorically here. I'm not talking about the little storm that hit my house last night. I'm talking about the kinds of storms where you click your heels together three times and you say, there's no place like home. There's no place like home. We've all experienced the bad storms where in the aftermath of those storms, it leaves debris all on the ground. It leaves debris everywhere. And one of the things that you'll see in the aftermath of one of these bad storms are limbs that have been ripped from the trees and they're now lying all over the ground. So I want you all for just a moment to picture with me. I want you to picture for a moment a person who hasn't experienced new life in Jesus Christ as a dead branch broken off from the tree of a storm. 
This branch is disconnected now from its life source. And at first, we see this branch and it doesn't look that much different than it did before other than the fact it's not connected anymore. I mean, right now the leaves are still green. It's looking okay, but if you've ever observed a, a limb that's been broken off a tree long enough, you'll notice that over time, and it doesn't take long, that the leaves start to turn. They start to dry up, and then they fall off, and then all of a sudden, this limb will no longer be able to bear the leaves that it used to be able to bear, bear the fruit that it was made to produce. My friends, just like that tree, a spiritual death, a spiritual death is alienation of the soul from God. And all of this is a result of the sin that entered this world through the first Adam because the sin of Adam... Because of that sin, we are all, that branch, separated from our life source. We are a helpless branch who is totally dependent on God for life. Without God's intervention, there is absolutely no hope whatsoever. So that, my friends, that's the, that's the bad news. And if we closed up shop right now, we could walk out of here with our heads hanging low and say, well, if that's it, if I'm just a dead branch, then I may as well just go out and live this life the way I want to live it. And, but no, God looked ahead. He saw you and I. He had a plan to reconcile us unto himself by way of our precious Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and his one and only Son, and we're going to see that very clearly right here as Paul exclaims the good news right here. So we're moving from the bad news of we're this broken branch with no hope without the intervention of God in our lives. And now we're moving, we're moving into this good news that, that Paul has to tell in Romans chapter 6 verses 7 through 11. It says this, for one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ. We believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But this life he lives, he lives for God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. That is so beautiful. So with that, I want you to picture now that limb that we just got through talking about. There it is. All life is gone. It has nothing else to offer it has no hope. It's alienated from what it used to be attached to. There's no hope for this limb. But then the master gardener comes along and he picks up this broken branch with no life in it. And he walks over and he grafts this branch into this beautiful life source, this beautiful tree of life and what once was dead now has brand new life not the life that it had before it was it was a complete stranger to this new tree 
but a brand new life. Don't you know that that is what this is about? Jesus did not come to give us an upgrade of our old life. No, he's calling us to death. And just as Jesus Christ died on a cross and was buried in a grave, he came out. He came out in resurrected new life, a brand new life. That is what God is calling each and every one of us to. Do you remember that second point that I made in the little Walmart restroom mishap? I said that it's time to move when where you are at doesn't match who you are. So another way to put it is when the alarm sounds, my friends, it's time to move. And that sweet, scared lady that came in to clean the restrooms that day, she sounded the alarm for me. She confirmed to me that I wasn't where I needed to be. That wasn't my place. I got out of there as quick as I could. It's time to move when Jesus calls. And Jesus is calling, my friends. He is calling, and when he calls, we answer When he calls, he is calling you to deny yourself. He is calling you to take up your cross daily and follow him in this new life. It's a new self. It's a new identity that can only be found in Jesus. My friends, it is who we are. So who are we? We are are sons and daughters of a living God. We are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. We are those filled with the Holy Spirit. We are no longer bound by our sin and our shame. We are those of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We are created in the image of God and We are dead to our sins, alive in Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. That is the message that I want you to leave here today because let me tell you, this world is confusing right now. But if there's one thing that we do not have to be confused about, it is that we are His. When we say, who are we? We can say, Lord, here am I. I am yours. Hallelujah. I don't know what you're experiencing through all this COVID, through all this pandemic, how life has treated you through it all. But you serve a master, a God who loves you beyond compare, who has promised to never leave you nor forsake you. His image is not tarnished. His image is beautiful. And it is an image that we all have the honor of and duty to bear so that a world around us can see who we are. I'm going to pray this morning before we dismiss. And uh, after I pray, I'd like for us all to stand in the reading of God's word before we are dismissed. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we love you. We praise you, Father, for yours is the name above all names. Father, it's It is so amazing that we can stand here today and be called your own. 
that your son, Jesus, would live that life that was impossible for us and, and die a death, uh, Lord, that we truly deserve because we're all sinners. Father, but thank you for taking an orphan. Father, thank you for taking a lost identity. And thank you for making our identity yours, Father, that we get to claim you. Lord, let it be that when others see us, they see Jesus, that they see you, Father, and that we can walk boldly in our identity, that we can walk boldly in who we are. We love you. We praise you. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand to your feet this morning? It has truly been an honor for me to be up here and to share the hope that we all have, to be reminded of the identity that we have and the image that we bear. And I want to leave you, this with, leave you with this from Galatians 2.20. says this, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You are dismissed. You may go in peace.